Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> Woo! You can depend on God. I'll tell you what. I like that song. We are in Sunday school again. And today, our topic is offering hope for the future. You can depend on God to see you through. <laughs> the devotional reading is from Jeremiah 29. Verses 10 through 14, the background scripture is the whole chapter of Isaiah 29. I am Dr. Otis Miller, the associate pastor of Russian Springs Baptist Church, and I'm happy to be able to introduce this lesson unto you. We are going to have a great session because it's relative to us today. So, let us start. Uh, the verses that you should have your Bible ready to read and open to are specifically listening in this lesson as Isaiah, the 29th chapter, verses 13 through 24. Verses 13 through 24. Now, let me give you an introduction uh, while you get your uh, Bible together. Pages and chapters found. Again, Isaiah 29, 13, 24. Each of us has the capacity to be hypocritical. To distort scripture, and to put our confidences in other things than God's word. And still, come and praise and worship him while believing that we are still in fellowship with him. Get it? Sometimes rituals and traditions can take the place of the actual presence of God with the idea, since I have done the ritual and I performed the tradition, I have served God. It's called going through the motions. Now, I selected this story that I'm getting to read from C.B. Larson illustrations to clarify what I mean about rituals. It goes like this. Until 1996, the Cleveland Browns football team had some of the most loyal fans in all of sports. For them, Sunday was the main event of the week. Early on Sunday morning, they came to the Cleveland Stadium to enjoy tailgate parties and talk about their beloved Browns. And then in the afternoon, they filled the stadium to cheer and holler. But all that changed in 1996. Owner Art Modwell moved the team to Baltimore and changed his name to the Ravens, crushing the hearts of the Cleveland fans. Surprisingly, that didn't stop these fans from doing what they had done for years. On opening day, September 1st, 1996, some fans showed up at Cleveland Stadium just as they had done for the last 46 years and held tailgate parties. They wore Browns jerseys, waved Browns flags, and chanted, Let's go Brownies! Then shortly after 1 p.m., they refilled their cups and marched to the stadium gates. But the stadium was quiet and empty. <laughs> Traditions die hard, don't they? Especially religious ones. An empty stadium is an end in itself, a habit without meaning. Without meaning. It is cheering fans without a team or a game. For God is gone. <laughs> Woo! What is a ritual? A ritual is a series of actions performed according to a prescribed order. Well, what's ritualism? Ritualism is a regular observance or practice of ritual, especially when excessive 
or without regard to its functions. Are you listening? Ritualism can creep into churches. Oh, I know you've seen it. In the homes, in schools, and sadly, it can creep into marriages. Christianity is not religion, but if we're not careful, we can make it become religious. Isn't it interesting that religion itself can so easily rob us of our sense of God's presence? The warning given to the people of Jerusalem in today's lesson was due to their hypocritical religion, specifically its empty worship. You see this in verse 1 through 8 of this particular chapter. Also, the blind prophets from verses 9 through 14. The people were in such a spiritual stupor that the word of the Lord through the prophet was like a book that was sealed. They could not understand what Isaiah was telling them. When you choose not to believe the truth, listen all you liars, you set yourself up to entertain a lie. We must do more than study the lesson from a historical point of view, nor must we judge these people in the Bible for their behavior. What we should do is ask these three questions. Number one, why did they sin? Number two, why did they not stop when warned? And number three, do I want what happened to them to happen to me? If the answer is no to that last question, then you must take inventory of your own soul, not looking at somebody else, and then correct what the Lord exposes in you. All right, now we're at verse 13. I'll read verse 13. And so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with the lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. I title this was verse rebellion. Why were the people of Jerusalem so ignorant of what God or what was going on? Well, their hearts was far from God, which we just read in the 13th verse. They went through the outer forms of worship, and faithfully they kept their annual feast. You can see that in the 10th, uh, first, first chapter, first verse. But it was not a true worship of God. A reference to that would be Matthew 15, 1 through 9. Going to the temple was popular. That was the thing to do. But most of the people did not take their worship seriously. Hello? Therefore, God sent a spiritual blindness, a, a stupor on the people so that they could not understand their own law. Such blindness persists today. Oh, yeah. Romans 11, 8. Also, 2 Corinthians three thirteen through 18 will be references for that. If people will not accept the truth, then they must become more and more blind and accept lies. This is shown from John 9, 39 through 41 and 2 Thessalonians, 2 chapter 1 through 12. Now, I'm not so sure that when we go back to church, at least inside the building, well, I want to go back to normal, quote-unquote, normal. The next verse is 14, and it reads, Because of this, God says, I will once again astound these hypocrites 
with amazing wonders. The wisdom of the wise will pass away and the intelligence of the intelligent will disappear. Wow. Why did they stop? not stop when warned? Those who are formal and hypocritical in their exercises of devotion without spiritual vision will eventually think that they know more than God. They will think that they can hide from God or hide their plans from the Lord. Thus, in doing so, they invite God's judgment upon themselves, which is verse 14. Now, that verse 14 in the Good News Bible reads like this. So I will startle them with one unexpected blow after another. Those who are wise will turn out to be fools, and all their cleverness will be useless. Now, we too, we can distort scripture. God's message is not a system of rules to imprison us, but calls us to a personal relationship that grows into a loving and a holy lifestyle. God's people were blinded because they had devoted themselves to a life of ritual observance. Hear that? Now, verse 15 and 16 reads this way. What sorrow waits for those who try to hide their plans from the Lord? Who do their evil deeds in the dark? The Lord can't see us, they say. He doesn't know what's going on. How foolish can you be? Is he the potter? And is he certainly greater than you, the clay? Should the created thing say to the one who made it, you didn't make me? Or a jar, does a jar ever say, the potter made me is stupid? Wow. Do I want what happened to them to happen to me? A woe is pronounced upon the deceitful rulers who are making plots with Egypt as if God does not see them. They have everything topsy-turvy, putting the clay in the potter's place and vice versa, thus denying God's power and knowledge. As God's church today face enemies and challenges, it is always a temptation to turn to the world or the flesh for help. But listen, our first response must be to examine our hearts to see if there is something we need to confess and make right. Then we must turn to the Lord in faith and obedience and surrender to his will alone. We must trust him to protect us and guide us. You know, the example of communion jumps in my mind where it can become a ritual without meaning or without the appropriate response that's required. Well, what do you mean by that? People take communion and know the person, the two benches below, or two rows over, they can't stand. But they have done nothing to reconcile that relationship, and but they're taking communion. That's ritualism. Verses 17 and 21 reads this way. Soon, and it will not be very long. The forest of Lebanon will become a fertile field. And the fertile field will yield bountiful crops. In that day, the deaf will hear words read from a book. And the blind will see through the gloom and darkness. The humble will be filled with fresh joy from the Lord. Amen. The poor will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The scoffers will be gone. Thank God. The arrogant will disappear, 
Amen. And those who plot evil will be killed. Those who convict the innocent by their false testimony will disappear. Oh, wow. We got that now. A similar fate await those who use trickery to pervert justice and tell lies to destroy the innocent. And that's probably why in Alabama we've got so many black people in prison on death row that basically should never been there. Anyway, don't let me digress. Verse 17 shows a tremendous change that is a result of God's judging Jerusalem for their sins. Lebanon, known for its forest, would be turned into a garden. The garden would be turned into a forest. <laughs> wow. A day of deliverance is coming when God will also reverse things. What is now a wild forest, Lebanon, will be a fruitful field. And what is now counted a fruitful field will be looked on as nothing more than an overgrown forest. Then the deaf shall hear, the blind shall see, the humble also will increase their joy in the Lord, the oppressor and the scoffer will be no more, the arrogant will disappear, and those who plot evil will be killed. Those who convict the innocent by their false testimony will disappear. A similar fate awaits those who use trickery to pervert justice and who tells lies to destroy the innocent. There's a striking fact here in verses 18 and 19. This portion of the, of the chapter is not only about what happens in the past. It looks forward to the happy settlement of the affairs of Jerusalem and Judah after the second coming of Christ. Then those who understood not the prophecies shall see God's hand in all events and will rejoice in him. There will be a new Jerusalem and a new earth, according to the book of Revelations. Our last two verses, verses 22 and 24, reads this way. That is why the Lord who redeemed Abraham says to the people of Israel, my people will no longer be ashamed or turn pale with fear. When they see their many children and all the blessings I have given them, they will recognize the holiness of the Holy One of Jacob. They will stand in awe of God, of Israel. Then the way will gain understanding and complainers will accept instructions. Now, it's a remnant though. The remnant sees, the remnant recognizes, and the remnant understands God's words. I wish it was more than just a remnant. The closing verses describe the believing rem remnant here called Jacob. Shame and reproach will be a thing of the past. Amen. The children of Jacob will realize how God has intervened on their behalf and will honor him for it. Those who misjudge and complain about the knowledge, they will become teachable and knowledgeable. Well, here's the conclusion. Or let me call it truth for today. Faith in God is a matter of heartfelt commitment to him. Some may be able to repeat the right words and appear at the right places, but have no real heart for God, no real knowledge of him. There is a distinction between an intellectual knowledge and a knowledge growing out of an experience with God. It is only when God is known with the heart as well as the mind, when his word is a part of the life as well as the lips. That's the way God can be known. Spiritual insecurity 
is a result of spiritual stupor. Which way is God moving? Well, we don't always know that beforehand. When God brings, begins, or begins to act, we will be better able to discern it, though, and move with it if our hearts are aligned with him. In summary, this sentence. If we know God, we can have hope for the future. Let's pray. Father, we are ever capable of straying from you. May our worship and service to you never find us lacking in devotion. Renew our hearts. Renew our hearts. Yeah. Today. So that the unbelieving world will see Christ. And as they see him, they will see him in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>